Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second scripture lesson for today comes to us from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 17 to 30, which you can find in your pew, uh, hymn, uh, bullet, your pew Bible, or as it is written out in the, in the bulletin. So let us listen now to our second reading of Holy Scripture. So he was setting out on a journey, he being Jesus, and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go. Sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it, or how hard it will be, for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom? kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals it is impossible, but, for God, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children's fields with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I asked this question earlier in the week if you follow our Facebook page, but I'll ask it again now, which is what is one thing, one thing in your life right now that you would have a really hard time letting go of 
if asked. And I don't mean something trivial or something that you could easily replace. So for me, yes, that means coffee doesn't really count as much as I love coffee. <laughs> what I'm asking is, what is one thing you could or would never give up? And it doesn't have to be something physical. It could be a character trait. It could be a virtue or a vice. It could be a belief. But what is one thing that right now you would not be willing to give up or let go, even if Jesus himself came back and asked you to give it up? That's the question we are presented with in our reading for this morning as we continue to discern the role of faith in our lives. In our reading for today, we find Jesus engaged in this conversation with a rich man, though at first we don't really know he's rich, who comes seeking answers to questions that, as Jimmy Buffett would say, bother him so. But what, are, what is the question this rich man is asking Jesus? Well, he asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This question that the rich man asked Jesus shouldn't really surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us because we might have the same question as this rich man, or we might have similar questions that we want to ask of Jesus as we search for answers to questions that we have on our hearts, questions that we believe might give us the key to living a full and prosperous life. The answer, as we know, though, that Jesus so often gives is never simple. It's never as straightforward or common sense as we would think it to be. No, instead, Jesus often presents, like he does this morning, a radical solution to something that should be straightforward. But hold on a second. I think we should take a moment to dissect what I mean when I say that Jesus often presents a radical solution or answer like the one he gives today. Because I've used that word before, I think I've thrown out the radical love of God. We should dissect that a little bit because it carries a lot of uh, baggage, I think the phrase is. I don't know, my family knows I mess up phrases all the time, but you know what I mean. The word radical carries with it a lot of history for folks. In many cases, it carries a negative connotation especially when we add it to the nice discussions we have about politics or you know how that goes, how you often hear about the radical right or the radical left on the 24-hour uh, media news circuit. So let us take a moment to understand what Jesus is doing when he offers a radical solution. Because when we break down this word, we would know, or we would discover, 
That radical derives its root from good old Latin, the Latin word radix, which means root. So when I say that Jesus is giving this rich man a radical answer, or providing a radical answer, Jesus is trying to tug at the root problem, the root issue that he seems to believe is plaguing the rich man. Jesus is trying to get at the root cause of an issue. That's what we're talking about when I say radical. So what is this root answer, or what is the radical answer to the question burning within the rich man's heart? What is the solution to inheriting eternal life? Or what is the answer to X, Y, or Z you may be asking? Jesus would, of course, cater it to whatever questions you have. But to the rich man, Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. I'm not sure how I would react if I was in the rich man's shoes. But obviously, he's upset. <laughs> he's bummed. He is disappointed because that is not what he wanted to hear. Because as scripture says, he went away sad because he had many possessions. Perhaps, though, it's not just the wealth piece, though, that got him upset. Because maybe that's just the surface issue. What if in this answer to the rich man, Jesus is trying to pry at what is really at the core of what's going on in the rich man's life? To create for him, if he is truly serious about being a disciple and following Jesus, that Jesus doesn't want the rich man to only have a momentary feeling of following, but a more permanent state of mind, of heart. So Jesus asks him to give up the very thing that is causing this internal conflict. Jesus is creating this moment for this individual, the rich man, to either give up the very thing that identifies their position and status in society and follow Jesus, or to not. It's a moment of identity crisis. And it's a moment you and I are asked to consider as we ponder how seriously we value our walk with Jesus. If we would be willing to give up the very thing we said we would never give up. Perhaps, though, Jesus is asking us to give it up because he is trying to point us in a direction to change for the better. Changing us not just for the short term, but seeking to address what root causes 
might be there for us to address the root of what keeps us from giving freely, from loving freely, from seeking justice freely. Because if we're grasping onto something that's in opposition to what Jesus is teaching, perhaps like this rich man, then we'll never truly be in sync with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's not that we can't make it work, but it certainly becomes more difficult as Jesus tells his disciples. When we grasp onto something in our lives that is in opposition to what we hear Jesus preach about this morning, it does become difficult to follow. And when we are asked to give it up, then that for us becomes even a more challenging problem. I think there's another literary figure, though, that really highlights for us this kind of shift in identity, this change in identity that Jesus is having us consider this morning. That, that might put it into another perspective. And perhaps you know this character. Though not wealthy, per se, we find in another piece of literature the character of Javert, the antagonistic justice seeker in Les Mis, strives to quench his thirst for making a righteous society by hunting down Valjean. In his pursuit of justice, perhaps misguided justice, he's thwarted, he's thwarted in the end in this really beautiful scene where Valjean is in a position to simply kill Javert, this man who's been chasing after him relentlessly, nonstop, for years. And instead, this perceived criminal of Valjean spares him. Javert asks how Valjean could be a criminal yet commit a good deed. In the, in the musical version, there's this line where he asks, is he from heaven or is he from hell? Because now his whole worldview, his whole sense of identity has been tossed up into the air. And he begins to realize that perhaps the thing he has been following his whole life was not really the best thing he could have been following. That there were some inherently deep flaws in what he held on to. Now granted, things still don't end well for Javert, but the gravity of his situation, the intensity of reforming an identity such as the rich man's is something we must consider that it is a serious question that deserves our time and consideration if we are to admit that there are things keeping us living fully into the life and light of Christ. So what are those things? If we instead placed ourselves in the position of the rich man and we asked Jesus, what must we do to have eternal life? What would Jesus tell us? How would Jesus answer you? 
For me, I know there's probably more than one way Jesus would answer me. He would probably say, Casey, you got to be more trusting of people to do what they're going to do. You can't micromanage everything. He would probably say, Casey, you know, sometimes things just don't work out and that's okay. You don't have to beat yourself over being a perfectionist in order to move on to the next thing. Maybe he would tell me, you have to settle down when you're driving because, man, when you get upset at those cars driving recklessly and tailgating you, that's not going to do your blood pressure any good. (laughs) What would Jesus say to us? Say to you. What would Jesus ask you to give up to follow him? To receive the answer to the question that is burning in your heart? Only you can answer that. And it's also up to you then to decide whether you are going to freely give it up and place it into the arms of God. Because these things that we all hold close to our heart, these things that are at our center, they form this spiritual compass, this moral compass that roots us, that keeps us grounded in reality. They help to provide the lens through which we view the world. But Jesus being Jesus, as we see today, is more than willing to enter into the picture and say, and ask us, so maybe that one thing you're holding on to isn't really that good, actually. Perhaps how you've thought about this person or this thing or this thing you've been holding on to isn't really the best isn't really feeding your soul or helping to build up your brother or your sister or your neighbor. Do you think you can give that up for me so that we can live into the kingdom of God? For some of us, that's a big ask from Jesus, if I'm being honest. And I don't know what Jesus would yet ask of me. But if Jesus can't ask me that hard-hitting question to let something go in order to better myself and to better others, then who could ask that question? Let us take a moment to consider those things, whether they be items or possessions or hobbies or relationships or beliefs that have taken root in our lives. And listen to Jesus ask us the question, what it is we are willing to let go of, those root problems. What might we be willing to let go of in order to grow more deeply in our faith, grow more deeply in our love for God and for one another? If we can identify any of them as contributing factors, May we all journey and do that work together, knowing that the Spirit is there guiding us along the way. Knowing that Jesus, in asking or providing these radical solutions, is helping us to understand that our life of faith is certainly a commitment, one that has hard-hitting questions and answers that are for the benefits 
of all of us who live in community with one another. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.